0: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and any education is incidental. While the hosts may use clean language, the content they are talking about has no such guarantees. Between them, Heather and Nicole have over 40 years of music experience and over 40 years of dance. Point and Play is where they sit down with you to talk about their thoughts and opinions.
1: and I'm Nicole and today on point and play we are talking about the next part in our our series um, of, from a question sent in by a listener we are going to talk about what happens when you take a song that was written for a particular instrument or venue and take it out of context and some examples of, of st- maybe even some stereotypes in music that result from that in our modern day.
0: Yeah, and we've already talked a little bit about how we did that with marches. Um, And we just try to play in concerts, and that's not helpful. Um, What comes to my mind specifically is there were pieces that I did in choir that were designed acoustically when they were originally composed to be played in certain cathedrals with um one half of the choir on one side and one half on the other side, or the choir is on one side of the cathedral and the uh orchestra or the band is on like I guess mainly orchestra is on the opposite side and they do um back and forth and and they are musically going against each other and, and having this really cool interaction that you still get when you just play them, but it's yeah. not the same because it doesn't take into account um the uh acoustics and how like time delay over a really large space and all of that <laughs> the songs were, are really cool but like specifically we did a piece uh in college that we then took on a choir tour to northern ireland and we sang in the church that either it was originally composed for or one that was the closest acoustically we could get to. It was a very different piece. Very yeah. Different. <laughs> it was a very um, gorgeous piece. Extremely different when you were actually doing it in that original context. So I actually want to, uh,
1: piggyback off of that a little so I think this honestly I feel like this examples or this episode is going to be mostly us just giving examples of this thing and maybe talking a little bit about them but like definitely mm-hmm. not going in depth as much because there's there's so much of this and it influences how we feel about whole genres of music
0: yeah it's not so much an explanation of what the concept is but like right. just helping just- people understand actual how it's happened it's not a theoretical thing that could happen it's something that's happened so much in so many different uh ways so piggyback piggybacking off of what you said about
1: a choir song that is built to have this like back and forth effect Mm -hmm. the concept another genre that was at incredibly um not not heavily relying on but like made good use of that concept is a lot of jazz, in particular, a lot of like big band jazz, call and response, mm-hmm. and that's one where, you know, if you're still playing the piece with the whole band, it sounds great. If you, especially if you hear it live, and it doesn't sound terrible in other contexts, but two particular instances of like mm, that's not the same piece kind of come to mind. Uh, <laughs> one being if you buy a CD particularly yeah. a cd in the era when before we kind of had good like right left headphone audio or if you just take that yeah. that cd and you just play it straight from a single speaker for example you're going to lose that feel of a conversation that is quite literally built into the music and the the concept of two pieces or t- or two instruments or two people or two voices having a conversation in music is incredibly useful in various genres but jazz included but the the power of the brass on one side or and the saxophones on the other or whatever your setup is just going back and forth or having the soloist talking over here and then the piano responds over here and then the trumpet stands up and says and it like that feel of that it being a literal conversation back and forth across space as well as melody line Mm -hmm. is so wonderful when your setup gives you the opportunity to hear that moving around but when you put it into more of an electronic format and it's not set up to give you the same experience it's not the same piece and it feels very redundant almost sometimes um uh, the same same concept with um if you take a a full jazz band piece or really any any piece of music that has multiple instruments and kind of relies again on that back and forth and then you turn it into a piano solo <laughs> it well okay great so you're just you're not even talking to yourself you're just it just sounds like one giant thing and it it, it loses it loses that that kind of goal again that conversation is no longer a conversation it is now a monologue and it's just very different i i, I have a feeling a lot of this episode is going to be either me saying and then they turned it into a solo piano or <laughs> it'll be and then we went digital but like that's okay that's the kind of the trend that our music has been going toward which well you know forms a our- lot of this
0: so you had mentioned off Uh, out of the recording Mm. the the idea of the organ having been you have these organ pieces that are being played on the piano or on a synth I also raise you simply playing an organ that just is there in a practice room or in a small church or small back room versus an organ in a giant stone yeah church high vaulted ceilings where it's again made to echo like those are very different pieces but also what you were just saying with like taking a song and boiling it down to a single uh line also people who do arrangements or covers of their favorite pop song or you know contemporary music at all and they make so many more harmonies and and they they make it into a concert uh concert band piece or oh, yeah. they, they add pieces to it they add parts to it and people are sitting there going wow that sounds really cool i like that better or i like that worse but it is a different song in their mind than the pop song on the radio yeah um, so it's 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 yeah. both directions it it absolutely and a very is very different feel um, it absolutely is the. Uh, so I I teach
1: music in private lessons for students. What
0: do you? That's new.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, I'm, for context for our for our audience, um, <laughs> I I do, and one of the hardest things, need- one of the hardest conversations for me to know how to navigate, uh, repertoire wise <laughs> for my students is when I have. Usually, it is a pianist, but sometimes it'll be a violinist. Will come in and say, I wanna play this song that I love very much. And I'm like, okay, cool. That sounds great. Let's do this in a way that we're gonna come out on the end without you being very tired of and also hating the song.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> because, and th- th- that can happen in a couple of different ways. Uh, way number one is just like, you love this song now. But if we sit down and practice and you play it every day for two months and it's not the way you imagined it, are you still going to love it on the other side? And a lot of times the answer to that one is yes, which is good. But I also kind of have to gauge my student and their uh, reaction to other music we've played in the past and kind of go like, okay, if I hand you the thing that you love, are you going to be upset with with it, with it later? And it it also depends on how old they are and difficulty and whatever and how yeah. long we're likely to play that song. Um, but the other big thing that factors into it, which definitely affects the first one, is what was the song originally written for? What arrangement can you as a student, as a player, handle and will it live up to your expectations?
0: So I actually have a, a at least for me, related example for
1: that
0: Mm -hmm. um but it's also going with the putting it from one genre into another yeah but it wasn't me deciding that that's what I wanted to do okay we did the song seal lullaby by Eric Whitaker in high school oh my gosh I did it in choir so Eric Whitaker is, at least all of the examples of music that I've sung or heard by him, tight, stacked harmonies. You only know what the what the actual solo or the melody line should be because of whoever's the loudest in that moment, really. <laughs> um, it's mwah, beautiful. So we we performed that for a choir concert. One of the concerts I cried at because of just how poignant the words are and it's this very sweet and bittersweet background anyway so we finished that that's the end of the semester um i'm pretty sure we finished we did it for like either the fall concert or the christmas concert and then the next semester marching band is over now we're moving into concert band and my director comes up and informs us that we are doing see lullaby in concert band oh hmm. and hands me the piano part oh no at that point i had not done piano lessons for so this is my senior year so i hadn't done them for four years um it is a not simple piece and i was sitting there going this is my favorite song we've sung and now I'm the one that's supposed to be, <laughs> okay. So I had to take it and I told him like, I haven't done this in a while, are you sure? And he goes, only if you think you can do it um, to about, not 80%, like 80% performability, but you're playing 80% of the piece. So he's like, if you need to drop the left hand and only play the main melody in the right hand for a part, do it. If you need to just do the chords for this part, do it. If you want to sit down with me and go through what are the main parts and pieces and and melodies and things that I need you to be able to play, or I need you to bring out, we can do that, then take it home, work on it and bring it back. And I did it. And it was, I think one of the first instances of my life where it was like, you're doing the incomplete, you're doing not 100% and perfect intentionally in order to still play at high quality. And I practiced it. I was very excited when we were no longer playing it. We'd done the concert, it was passable, it was fine, everyone loved it, and I no longer had the anxiety of having to. <laughs> be the pianist for it um but i still love that song um but it was very much (laughs) like oh you want me to take this piece that i'm absolutely in love with and not butcher it in a very different skill set and a different challenge to my musical skills at the time yeah and Hello, Eclipse. Please move your butt and do not step on my thing. Um, <laughs> uh, hi, baby. Um, he is now on my shoulder and out of the way. Uh, but no, so it was, it was very much like, okay, I don't want to ruin this. On the other hand, you have like Christmas music that gets put into so many different oh, yeah. genres and instruments. And no chor- joke.
1: So and biggest, bubble. biggest offenders, been- biggest offenders of this, like, yeah. like, oh, we love this piece. We're just going to do this thing. To-. So first off, I do want to state uh, for anyone who's sitting here screaming, there are good renditions of this Yes, there are. But you know what sure. those people do is they take the original, they turn it like, into a new genre or they put it in a new context, but then they transform it to fit that context. So things yeah. like. If you're gonna play
0: a pop song on piano, and what they're putting it in, yeah, they pay attention to both sides rather than just going, "I love it" and move it over here. I've done Carol of the Bells, choir, band, and orchestra. (laughs) I've done Carol piece each time. Actually,
1: I've done Carol of the Bells uh, with my ten-year-old student who just really wanted to play it for Christmas on a solo piano. Do you know how? not interesting that piece is on solo piano for a 10-year-old do you know how boring that is <laughs> it's not and and that <laughs> my student wanted to she loved it that was great but my point is you have to actively consider both the original context and the context you're putting it in otherwise your piece is going to fall severely flat the the three top big offenders that i in my experience think just both, I, I'm. this is being, first off, we're in America. I'm not trying to make a national statement or an international statement or a global statement of any this kind. Is of this experience. is my experience. This is my experience in America in the modern day, in my lifetime, in my experience as a teacher. There are three huge big offenders of categories of music where people go, oh, everybody likes this music. I will make a lot of money selling, um, or not even a lot of money, but I know if I make a rendition of this that people can pick up and play themselves, people will buy it. Three top huge offenders. Heather already mentioned Christmas music. That is 100% the biggest one. Christmas music, depending on the song, is written, again, Christmas music is like depending on what it is, it's written to be performed a certain way. There are full choir, like couple hundred year old, what are now our modern Christmas songs in America that are written with complex harmonies and interesting back and forth and incredibly repetitive melodies that the point of them, especially like the caroling class of Christmas song, the point of them is that the words change every time and the point of them is that the mel is that the harmonies are complicated and interesting to listen to over and over and over but what happens is people will take those and other christmas songs turn them into a solo single melody plus a block chord left-hand accompaniment <sighs> and sell it as hark the herald angels sing
0: and for now example. there are that's the least biggest least.
1: that's my personal yeah. biggest offender of that genre of caroling specific is hark the herald angels sing
0: hark the herald angels sing simplified beautifully
1: that is not yeah (laughs) (laughs) but but again you have to consider you have to consider context and you have to consider Mm -hmm. like why it was written the way it was and what you are trying to do with it when you rewrite it so like hark the herald angels sing is one where every single time i see it in a context that is a solo instrument or even a duet I just am like, no, this is going to be so not. And, and if you're just playing it, just to play it, just to learn, and you're just going to play through it and you like the song and then you'll move on, that's one thing. But if you are like prepping this for a concert, it's not going to be interesting to practice or to perform because. You might
0: play it well, doesn't You mean might play it well.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm not saying you're going to be terrible. I'm saying maybe the song choice isn't going to be as awesome as you think it is (laughs) so that's that's big offender number one um my my one thing that i will say for jingle bells before i move (laughs) on from christmas music jingle bells is everywhere jingle bells is one of those where if you play music in any constant context and you you know play holiday shows and whatever in them at least in america again you're going to hear a million versions of jingle bells. You're going to be so tired of jingle bells, but the one thing I'm going to say to jingle bells is that it does really 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 well in this because it is a single melody line. And it, it and you can have just like a single bell or a single thing as your like tempo accompaniment if you want to. And it's great. And it's fine. So Jingle Bells is actually the perfect song to do this kind of cross-genre swapping with because it's not built to be this very incredibly specific thing. It was built for you to like, and I, I realize that there might be more context than this, but the association that we have in our modern day is that this was built to yell at the top of your lungs while you're on a sled with bells jingling off of the horse. Like, yeah, it's fine. So you can take it and you can simplify it or dress it up or dress it down or whatever, (laughs) <laughs> and you might be tired of it but it is one of those christmas songs that like works and you can take it and modify the context without losing a lot of things you're only adding to jingle bells because there's not that much of it to begin with um yeah. but like hark the herald angel sing not true that is not the case with that one and it's not the case with a lot of especially again chor- uh, choral or like christmas carol or pieces Um, So that's offender number one. Offender number two, big offender number two, is pop songs, again, (laughs) (laughs) on a solo (sighs) non-vocal instrumental uh, rendition. So, like, I love a lot of pop music. I'm not slamming pop music. I listen to a lot of pop music. (laughs) I'm not slamming pop music. But when you take... For example, um, I've now lost every song I've ever heard in my life. My brain's doing a
0: uh, wrecking ball, is what my brain's <laughs> thinking. Oh, Trying to no. put wrecking ball into any sort of um instrumental classical s yeah. setting, it might sound cool. It might be fun. It's not going to be the same song i'm
1: trying to think there was one song in particular that i i can't remember which one it was now but it was about three years ago i had somebody who was dead set on playing this song on piano and then i got them the sheet music and it was basically we're gonna stay on e for like four measures then we go up to g for like four measures and back down to e and that was it that was the whole song there's like two pitches in the melody line in a song.
0: Because <laughs> a lot of pop songs don't tend to be very um, melody line no. difficult or no. complex. They're very repetitive. They're very catchy. They're very fun yeah. to sing. Yeah. So then when you try and sit there and play the melody, <laughs> it's you're very over you know, yeah. and over and over and over and over and over. Or you're playing the same. I mean, there have there've been jokes made about... How all pop songs are the same bass chords. You you might not be doing the exact same chords, but you're going to be repeating chords over and over and over mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. your accompaniment, which so, again is fine. Part of part of and and when we say pop cool for the pop song, for yeah, the genre and, it fits the genre, but it does not fit when you try to make it classical piano.
1: And when <laughs> we say pop, I'm not even talking about rap right now specifically because <laughs> rap is a whole other. Ball game. I'm, I'm that's not the comparison we're making we're talking about like every time we touch by casucada or lady gaga <laughs> or, or lady gaga or britney spears or yeah exactly or like yeah. sierra or um or missy elliott like we're talking about and well missy elliott raps too but i mean like her the sung version and the sung piece parts yeah. in her songs but you see what i mean like or 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 beyonce Beyonce actually has more lyrical uh, and melodic complexity than a lot of things. But a lot of it comes with the fact that like she'll sing the same thing over and over, but then she'll she'll switch keys and so it is a different thing. Uh, and like love so- on top is actually a really good example of this. There's like two or three pitches in that melody line, but it keeps shifting keys up and up, and so it feels more complicated. I don't um, even know
0: how many times it shifts keys because every
1: time I think like that four. I want to know the last one, we're not. It's like four. It's not actually that much, but she is so good at with her singing of it, and it 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 has such a really nice, good progression. Um, that it feels like it just keeps going and keeps going. Um, but it's it's really good. But like if you're gonna play that on piano or God forbid, you're gonna play that on piano and you've done a um Oh, it feels like it's more than four, but no,
0: it is only four
1: key <laughs> it changes. It is only four key changes. Uh
0: every now time the- I do it, my brain is like, yeah, this is the last one. No. <laughs> no uh, but like God God forbid that you're
1: gonna take that song and say, hmm. My beginning piano player, who's gonna to want to play this song, can't handle key changes, so I'm just gonna make it all the same key. Well, now you've ruined the song because it's da 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 over and over and over and over and over on the same notes, and it's not interesting anymore. Um, the third big offender. So we have pop, we have sung pop songs, we have complicated, int- like their structure means that they are this way um Christmas songs the other big offender that I see all the time uh, that I try to avoid all the time um is classical music that is written again for usually this is like like uh it's just put in like your beginner beginner book people have a big conception of like classical music as being like this incredibly boring genre. It's really not if you play it correctly. And when I say correctly, I mean in the context it was designed for. So maybe not correctly, but if you play it in a context that makes sense for it, it's really interesting and it's really cool. And like, (laughs) you know, you banging out two notes, one in each hand for a piece that was initially a full symphony and you're just pulling out part of the melody and you're just playing it for two minutes and then going, this is boring. And it's like, yeah, it is because you weren't given it, you weren't given a version of it that gave it a fair shot. Also, you playing it just on a piano in a in a practice room by
0: yourself is not gonna be interesting. People who think classical, this is a joke also, but people who think <laughs> classical music is boring obviously have no knowledge about, I'm pretty sure there is more than one classical piece that features canons. It's oh, Tchaikovsky
1: not- has a couple that are pretty famous.
0: Yeah. So yeah. like, but, but especially when you're first learning music, you're learning the great composers, but you're learning the melody line. Or you're learning, you're being given classical pieces as your warm-up exercise to learn what notes are. Like, you're yeah. they're not just written simply they're not just written where you're getting only a little bit but they're also given to you to do what for at least in my experience every single musician that i have been with at the start of them learning whatever they are being given the most it is the sorry it is being given to them the most boring part of it. It is the, I just <laughs> I don't know how to do this. I just want to play the thing. And you're like, no, you need to practice this. You need to learn the technique. You really need to learn the notes. You need to learn the rhythms. And we're gonna give you Mozart's gorgeous music for you to get bored and sick of and have negative connections to it. And then 10 years down the line, when you actually try to play this piece, you're like, oh, I you have one of two reactions in my experience. Again, one, yeah, no, I, I don't like this piece. It's horrible. I already know what it is. And two, oh, this is what it sounds like? Oh, dang. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, oh, this isn't even the same. Oh, okay, cool. And then you, you start listening with a different ear. Like, if you just listen to classical music, it's not boring. It's not simplistic. It is not yawn move along but we put it in the context and we and we dull it down and simplify it for often very you know educational and skill teaching services but not even only then <laughs>
1: i i legitimately have like not real beef but like emotional beef with uh, again the big offender is like piano intro book companies <laughs> uh, uh- it, just I in general, do. like they do all of this to other genres. They do, and the thing is, like th- this happens to also big band jazz a lot. But mm-hmm. big band jazz has, I think, a uh, a um, almost like a fighting back effect where you kind of have to know how to swing music already to play jazz, or you or you're or you're learning that thing. But that's not like a beginner classical studies skill. And so you're either learning jazz to learn jazz in which case you are probably going to play it more in a jazz context and it'll be better or you kind of have to have a certain skill level to to play jazz in a quote unquote stripped down context anyway and so like you're not going to encounter those jazz pieces in you're just like learning how to do the thing books For a long time, and so by the time you get there, you're gonna get better versions of it. You're gonna get better, like better constructed pieces. Even if it's still just you on a piano by yourself, you're gonna get like something that has anything to do with the piece, and it's not just oh here's some notes you're gonna recognize from a car commercial.
0: Oh, Oh, I have a I have a really good example for taking music and putting it in a different context, and now Mm -hmm. it doesn't work, and it and people don't like it. Okay, elevator music.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Elevator music. Yes. And, or wait call music. Yes. Or like any of those, your brain, even if the piece itself is the correct, like they they have an actual recording of how the piece is supposed to sound, the context it is now put in makes it not work. Though in that case, it's not so much that they put it in a different musical genre context and changed no. how it's written or anything it, it's it just that
1: it's being compressed from, over a phone line
0: <laughs> or or it's also but it's also being put into the please only listen to me as you're sitting there bored oh
1: yeah no, yeah yeah absolutely
0: please enjoy this beautiful you're not sitting there trying to listen to that f- flute solo food solo no flute solo you're trying to talk to somebody so your brain isn't you know actually being soothed by this music you want it to end and continue. So so that's another way of putting the music in a different genre and a different context than what it was actually meant for. And now, again, it doesn't work there. I, I really think that, and
1: this is my opinion where it's like, I really can't do anything about this unless I were to get like hired by a company who makes piano pieces or something. But I, I really am of the firm opinion that if you were going to write an intro to piano series mm-hmm. you need to just con you need to just write pieces for your books yeah first off first off i know there's the argument that like oh but if you're if especially if it's a child and you know they need help like figuring it out they play a melody that they know i'm going to tell you from experience every student i have ever had under the age of 10 recognizes mary had a little lamb twinkle twinkle little star and nothing else in your book They have no clue. They don't have an idea. If they're an adult, then fine. But if you're going to write a child intro, all ages intro to piano series, you need to just write music for your books. Because what is going to happen is those kids are going to not recognize what you're trying to have them recognize because they're just not old enough for it. And you don't put books out every three years. So like (laughs) you're not doing it right in that, if that's your goal and. uh, Now that
0: will be where they recognize it for the rest of their life rather than its original context.
1: Yes. And, and you need to, you you're taking pieces that are very interesting when done correctly. And you're just turning them into these very boring, like don't make sense as a melody sometimes depending on the piece, Mm. but just, they're not interesting. They're not a thing that progresses well. They kind of all sound the same when you pull them out of context. Sometimes there's some that are like, Oh, yeah. Here's five songs that make you do fists a lot. And it's like, okay, but now they all sound the same. That's going to be much more difficult for that child to differentiate. And they're not recognizing anything. Like, it's just, yeah. I I, I have the firm belief that if you are writing an intro to piano series or an intro to anything series, you need to put time and effort into writing the pieces. Just do it. Now, hire somebody to do it there are people who can do it (laughs) hire me hire people who like composing hire people who like music theory and we will sit down and we will just make you a book that (laughs) works and that won't teach your kids that Tchaikovsky's opus number seven is terrible (laughs) like that's not a thing Tchaikovsky that's not a thing I made that up completely I did not pull a real piece number right there for disclaimer but my yeah. point my point still stands like
0: write music say,
1: for your music please
0: i will say we've we've gone on all of these with like it sounds very different in this context and a lot of this has been when you put it in this context now it sounds bad there it's, are it's pe- when you put it in this context without adapting it at all it sounds yeah, yeah. bad i was gonna Specifically. Say, there are pieces that are written originally as these giant fanfares and complex melodies And when you simplify them, no, they are not the same piece, but they are a very gorgeous piece to play or listen to. There are jazz pieces that can get put into a different context and they sound really cool. But the trick is that when you don't pay attention to the context, even if the product still sounds amazing to you... If you didn't pay attention to the context, both that you're taking it out of and putting it in, it's not going to be the same piece. It's not, even if it sounds awesome, it's not going to be Mozart's anything. It's going to be a really p- pretty piano piece. That's it. Which is fine. You could make a pretty it's piano fine. piece, but you need to make a pretty piano
1: piece that is a pretty piano piece. And it's not just like, oh, you're going to play Mozart today.
0: like, And you can. You don't do rant- that. T- don't do
1: that to the students. Don't do that to their <laughs> teachers. Don't do that to like the society's perception of any genre of music. I'm not just yeah. saying classical. Any genre. Don't do that. Please.
0: Just, and if you, just make and if things that make sense. Your student, if you're handing your student or you're handing your ensemble a piece of music that has been changed or adapted from something else, don't just go, here you go. It's this wonderful jazz piece move on have them listen to the original pull up what it's been from to help them be able to put it in good context to help them decide i'm gonna lean on this note without the director needing to spell it out for me especially if they're an experienced um musician like give them that context and teach them how to do that context that legitimately that is a thing that i there's I'm not going to name names. There is a piano series
1: that the studio I teach for loves and I have this beef with it very much. (laughs) And I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I, for a good three quarters of every book in that series. Oh no. I pull out the YouTube video and we talk about if I know it, I don't always know it, but if I know it, we talk about the history of the piece. We talk about how like, um, the uh oh no what's it called i don't know (laughs) the surprise symphony we talk about the surprise symphony and how like this was written because the composer was really really angry at people falling asleep during movement two in every symphony we talk about that and we talk about how like it's quiet and then it's really loud because you got to wake all your people up and like that's something that concept of like your audience is falling asleep and they keep doing this to you and you're angry. So you got to wake them up by being really loud on this note. That's something that a six year old goes, yes. And like, will latch onto. And then suddenly that incredibly not great rendition of this piece that they're playing, they suddenly like turn it into, and they try and actually do it. And it's not as good as the original. That's okay. But like now they have context for it, but the book doesn't give you any of that context and it doesn't give you really the tools to even really utilize it but like i have to sit down i have to show it to them and be like here this is what this is aiming for but in all in my opinion you could have easily have written something else of your own to make loud and soft introductions make sense without it i know the history but if somebody who is trying to figure this out without somebody who knows the history that's not it's not going to be cool it's not going to be interesting or um The other, the other big one is like, um, there's a lot of them. I look up a lot. I look up a lot of them. Oh, uh, um, for Elise.
0: Oh yeah. Everybody has
1: only the first part, only the intro part of for Elise ever gets put in beginner books, which is correct. Good decision. But context for it is lost. It's so much funnier
0: if you know why he wrote this piece. (laughs) Also. You only recognize that beginning piece of it. And then as someone who then tried to teach herself this song. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> it, you're like, wait, wait, what's it doing? No, I tried to learn it. As I, <laughs> Why is it like this? As a, as a present to my piano teacher of, hey, look all the things you <laughs> taught me. I can do this song now. And I did it at <laughs> about like 65% skill. Okay, that's all right. It's not, it's not the worst. She definitely said... Put this down for a little bit. Work on other skills. Come back and then try to do it again. Yeah, um, but it's a very different song. Like a third of the way through, <laughs> but it, no one knows. Do they you, never hear it. Heather, do never... you, do you know what the story with that piece is? Um, I know that he wrote it for somebody, and it's not this great love thing. No, he I wrote don't...
1: it. He wrote it for a student. So this is the version that I know, okay. and. I know there are multiple versions floating around. This is the one that I have heard the most. The version is he had a crush on his student. And (laughs) yeah, Uh, I don't remember. I don't know how old they were supposed to be. I don't know if it was another adult or if it was a minor. I have no no clue. I don't know age. I don't know other relationship status. I just know what I have heard is he had a crush on his student. So he wrote the beginning part of Fur Elise, basically giving her a piece to like, sound very good even though it was very very simple and Mm -hmm. then she turned him down and so he made the rest of it really really difficult so that she couldn't finish it
0: that tracks in terms of that's what i was.
1: that's the version that i have heard there are there are multiple versions of that floating around but that is the most basic version that i have heard
0: um difference between the beginning and the rest of the song allows for that absolutely
1: yeah (laughs) but like but things like that make it so much funnier and like maybe that's not one i would tell the six-year-old but the young <laughs> adult or the like upper teens student will find that hilarious and suddenly instead of going oh this piece is so hard once you get pat now it's like oh okay well now i understand and like you know it's it's more
0: interesting oh yeah Are you tired of watching
1: your beloved characters being tortured by careless authors? Are you sick of feeling like they could have swapped out all of the painful action and the plot would remain untouched? Subscribe to Books That Burn, a fortnightly book review podcast focusing on fictional depictions of trauma. We assume that the characters' reactions are reasonable and focus on how badly or well they were served by their authors. Join us for our minor character spotlights, main character discussions, and favorite non-traumatic things in the dark books we love. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, I have a question. Have you ever wanted to get into comics, but you just didn't know where to start? Well, welcome to Comics Quest. I'm J.D. Martin, and every week I sit down with a guest to talk a comic that I think anybody can pick up and start their comics reading journey. We take a look at psychedelic sci-fi, fantastic action, heart-wrenching love stories, and of
0: course, superheroes. So, check us out at CertainPOV.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh man, that was... There's so many levels to that.
1: <laughs> so, th- yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, how about you go first on the levels that you want to talk about? Because then I...
0: Yeah. So, this was our probably first have more. <laughs> true skit, I think, that we watched. Um, yeah and it's specifically, we'll, we'll watch more and it's specifically talking about the tritone which at the medieval times was <clears throat> not liked not wanted um and the the joke in the skit is that he accidentally plays it and then can summon the demon and there are so many oh gosh I want to say there's so many historical jokes in there as well but my there's a lot but it's like you have the actual presence and comedy of, of the actor was very fun and very good. Uh, I love when they can convey things correctly with very minimal propage. Um Facial expressions are on point. But then also, my favorite thing of the whole thing was that at the very end, he jumps into... Oh, what's the right what's the right genres not is it it's, it's, it's jazz just straight jazz right it's swing swing yeah, there we swing. go I was like there's a specific um because <laughs> there's so much of that in jazz and there's and oh it's gorgeous it's, there's actually a, a, a deeper level to that so yeah but it was I'm gonna he, be s- he went into it very smoothly was my point like just oh just yeah add, yeah yeah just add some left hand oh now we're in a hole we just jump multiple centuries and mm I love I love jazz. It's very gorgeous. Alright, yeah.
1: Okay, so a couple of the very, very simplified historical aspects to this. Um, the Catholic Church for a very long time banned non-harmonious music even after they relaxed a little and let polyphonic music happen, aka music with more than one pitch happening at the same time. There was a long time where you had to only have one pitch, one note happening because otherwise it wasn't harmonious enough to be pure enough to be godly enough to be music in their opinion. Um, and even after they embraced polyphony, like multiple tones at the same time, um, they still did not like disharmonious sound and the tritone because of the math behind the pitches ends up being our least harmonious interval. See? Of math sound. is of the devil. One of we the got two.
0: it. Huh? I said math is of the devil. We got it. Oh. <laughs> no. But no, that
1: was the that was the implication was that um the catholic the catholic devil um
0: didn't it thrived on on The dissonance. I think there's... On the dissonance. I think there's a... Essentially. There's like an at least urban myth of like you can play a tritone in your house to... If someone comes in and you're trying to figure out if they're possessed or whatever really it's one of the things that you do i had not heard that yeah you play the tritone <laughs> that's funny you sprinkle them with salt all the all the things where it's oh oh, oh, it's, oh all of your it's like, all of your it's like oh i think supernatural I think demon they're, identifiers they're yeah. a demon and the, i'm trying to remember if, if it was a book series i read that had it probably um yeah and they invite them over and then they start playing the piano and they just play some jazz and their guest <laughs> leaves very quickly um but no, so then so so then there goes into the history in the in the. US
1: in in um, American jazz music, where so in America, we have a habit. and this absolutely goes back to our more like conservative Christian Protestant roots, and then way back into Catholicism beyond that. We have a habit of labeling any new music as satanic or the devil's music. And it has it. That was true about jazz. It was true about rock and roll. It was true about um, modern techno. Even it's true about rap lyrics today. And now to be clear, a lot of that is racism (laughs) in the industry and in the public. However, it is true that part of the history of that is the dissonance, um, specifically in jazz, that jazz thrives on clashes and breaking the, um, very harmonious at the time, European, straightforward, pretty chords and like
0: breaking that structure by using the same concepts. Um, so, and, and dissonance s- isn't just like, Oh, that sounds weird. It's it's the ones that specifically no, clash against each other. So and, for all you math nerds out there. Uh, it's, I love uh, the dissonance. <laughs>
1: dissonance. Dissonance is when the sign graph of a note and a sign graph of another note don't ever cross together at zero on the <laughs> y-axis. It's when they literal like curve on the graph when they don't line up. They're never at the same anything at the same time they're always different
0: (laughs) so like if you're looking at if you're looking at a keyboard um a dissonant note is gonna be like two notes that are a half step apart being played um yeah there's a
1: whole we can we can even post on our twitter there's a whole i can write out i can draw this without references (laughs) there's a whole chart there's the the pitches the the interval so an interval is just the space between two notes and essentially when you have two notes that split that's the tritone that split the the octave in half and the notes that are right next to each other which is a minor second um so you're not skipping any keys those are the most dissonant most clashy worst quote-unquote most crunchy notes that we have and then your best sounds your nicest cleanest (laughs) most catholic just kidding sounds um are the octave if you're in tune and a major fourth and a major fifth aka the two notes right on either side of that tritone
0: yeah (laughs) um so one of the favorite things so there's this sorry i was just
1: gonna say so that was that's part of the the like jazz thing there is that jazz at the time. Part part of the point of it was breaking that social convention of the like white European music and creating something else, um, and and so like that <laughs> going there and then, then and so like the you know the devil liking jazz is a is a a, a, a racist historical um, stereotype assumption thing connotation, connotation one of those whichever one on it, fits. Yeah connotation yeah so that's the joke made in the video is that like oh you can just play jazz and it's great the skit is very funny though it, it goes all the way from like medieval catholicism all the way up to like american jazz in like 0.2 seconds yeah
0: one of the things i i personally love with dissonance so i sing second soprano most often if i am not actively practicing and expanding my range i am a second soprano that's that's my just comfortable sitting range so a lot mm-hmm. of pieces with tight harmonies the second soprano isn't singing the melody the second soprano is singing the moving harmony um and you're staying very close and one of my favorite things with that voice part is getting to do dissonance it's very hard Uh you have (laughs) to you have to really lean into it otherwise it sounds like you're just singing the wrong note or you end up singing a note that sounds pretty and you are singing the wrong note. Um, but with dissonance <laughs> specifically, a lot of people push back against it when they listen to it because it sounds full of tension. It doesn't sound well and they don't like that and it's uncomfortable and that's the point. One of the best, best things personally when I am singing a dissonant chord in a choir and I'm in the middle of the choir is closing my eyes, and yes, don't, don't actually do this in a performance, please, but <laughs> I have done on this in rehearsals when we're getting close to a performance, and it's one of my just, I'm transcending moments, is standing in the middle of the choir, singing that push with everyone else around you, your surround sound of it, and then it moves from the dissonant chord to the resolved chord, where, mm-hmm. it, where it becomes pretty, where it, the tension releases. Ah, so good. <laughs> it's so cathartic and wonderful. And so <clears throat> jazz is full of tension and full of contrast and all of that. And it's one of my favorite genres to just have on in the background and listen to. Um, I'm not the best when it comes to different things with music theory to try to sit there and just dissect it or anything. Um, But it has so much flavorful contrast to it. And then you go back to the medieval chords when they were, as we said allowed. and we're specifically focusing on like medieval times in the, in the Western Catholic
1: medieval countries. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's, you have, and, and pre medieval to be, well, yeah, I think. Back to the Council of Nicaea. <laughs> you know, No ancient, joke. going back to ancient history and not even joking. And yeah, those well, ancient for <laughs> European history.
1: There are other cultures that do not consider that ancient. I don't think because it's not
0: very much. Europe is not. So but so not my point that is forth. that when you listen to music from that time, it's simple and it's quote unquote pure and it's relax and it can be powerful and it can have a lot to it um but you're sitting in like majesty and freedom versus sitting in tension and discomfort and and that push against it and so there are two different types of emotions tied to it and in this skit I think the video was three minutes long but I don't even think the skit was three minutes long
1: No, this gets like a minute and a half. He
0: moves from playing just a chord to playing a very Mm -hmm. recognizable song to messing up a note. Oh, no, you're going to, you know, summon the devil. And then he just plays it over and over and over and over. And then there is a booming voice and, oh, no, what did you do? And then it was like, oh, no, actually, I like that tone just add the left hand to it and then all of a sudden we're we're playing swing and that transition of it was like okay okay oh we're here all right cool um it was very good and very fun
1: <laughs> i don't know i'm if trying you to remember other... which christmas song yeah it's oh, we'd
0: have to i can't remember the name <laughs> it's
1: um <clears throat> oh no i'm gonna kick myself
0: i know this one we're gonna listen to the video again and be like oh it's this one we might even put it in the show notes <laughs> of like what the song is um i can sing it (laughs) like with the words even i think
1: (laughs) my brain's just like it's a song that you know but i refuse to pull up that
0: particular audio file (laughs) yeah oh
1: no oh no i know it i
0: know it and i know it. something so well. something bethlehem um <laughs> what child is this yes there we go that song that took us way too long anyway i also i also <laughs> know the jazz
1: tune that he played and i can't remember the name of that either whatever that wasn't my
0: maple brain leaf doesn't rag, do names very well i have a i struggle what that wasn't maple leaf rag was it Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Hold on. I will check Nicole's, that one. do gonna, this. <laughs> Nicole's going to check on this. But so this is our first skit. You might and be right. That sounds right. And it definitely um, is very fun. And please go watch it. Please enjoy it. It's a very short video. His energy is wonderful. His r- facial expressions. Personally, his facial expressions. Mm, no, it's gorgeous. not this.
1: It's not Maple Leaf Rag. It's... Uh, we'll i know this song <laughs> we'll figure it out in like a week this It'll is be fine. one of the
0: problems for me personally with having a gazillion trillion songs that live in my head and i know and they're so familiar to me yeah is that it's like the any game where it's like please match the title with the topic or like match definition with the word match the song title with the song no <laughs> it's it's all of those i know all of those i know i can't put them together uh i listen to a lot of music i can't tell you titles of songs or or artists nearly as much as i should in my mind feel like i should be able to with how much i listen to different music people ask me like do you know this song and i'm like you have to play it don't don't just ask me if i know that title play the thing and i will probably know it
1: or my brain just doesn't hold on to names all. yeah or, in general like for artists. anything it doesn't matter what it is
0: i don't hold on to artists well either so if i know that that's a song still a is name artist, <laughs> that's it's... still a name yeah <laughs> but anyway do we have any other thoughts
1: uh, nope i think that's it we'll catch you all in our next episode okay Bye. Thank you for hanging out with us today. If you would like to interact with us on social media, you can find us at Point and Play on both Twitter and Instagram. To find all of our videos that we talk about on the podcast, as well as other things we think are interesting or important, head over to our Point and Play YouTube channel. If you would like to support us by dropping us some money, you can head over to either our monthly Patreon or our one-time payment Ko-Fi link. All of these links are in the episode description. We'll see you next time.